You're listening to Green Possible, where being free makes being green possible. I'm your host I, and the show starts in. Hey, Will. Good morning, I. It's nice to be on with you again. Thank you for、um, coming back. And so last time we were talking, we we talked about how. Uh, in the science field, a theory is being treated as a fact, and、um, that is very strange to me.、Um, and it seems to be more like this issue. This this、hmm, this issue is actually more everywhere than we think. And so, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So、um, when it comes to science, unfortunately, humans make horrible scientists because the the whole idea of science is you're looking for the truth, and every truth you find always has to be a theory because you at any time you could discover something else that invalidates your first truth. So what we have is, you know, beliefs that are labeled as a science, and you know, I believe in a, a freedom of religion, but. But what you know, once you start believing in a theory, it becomes just like a religious belief, and that's fine. And I think people are free to do that as long as we label it as such and not pretend that, you know, believing a, a scientific theory is actual science. Because a true scientist considers a scientific theory to be just a scientific theory. And today, you know, everywhere in the news now, you see science is being politicized.、Um, And I think the word "politicized" is kind of a mild way; it's it's being、uh, formed into an an outright lie in a form of mind programming. Well, I mean, you can see that in the academic environment because you know there's always a few few science scientists that that not agreeing with you know their peers. And these people will get squeezed out, and and it's just so weird because in science you're supposed to be open-minded, because otherwise how are you going to find new ideas or try new things to see more, to find yeah,、so、find more、yeah. what's possible. Yeah, exactly. And in academia, we have sort of a concentration of power because. At, it's sort of a control knob for what society accepts as truth, and so because there's so much power there, it's attracted the power hungry more than it's attracted the knowledge hungry. So you know, actual scientists want to go there to learn and to teach the truth, but the power hungry have tried a lot harder to take control of that、um, knowledge portal that is our. You know, higher education and colleges, and so that's become something that we can no longer trust. And so the the idea of science、um, no longer means what it used to mean. Right, and and it's you know because you were saying that how it feels like a religion now. So what is really what do you see happening actually in the religious field? Well, with our, if you look at the root cause of of everything wrong with what you know what we see in the news, you know we've got we've got the voter issues, we've got the educational issues, we've got you know technology encroaching. It, it all comes back to culture, because it, it's our culture that allowed these things to get to the point where they are, and we have to realize that it's been、um, planned intentionally to engineer our culture to allow for these things. And so, you know, walking around talking scientific terms as if you know, talking about theories as if they're beliefs,、uh, is sort of a, a cultural、um, aspect of it. And so we've we've found we find ourselves now in a culture where we we talk scientific words, but really we're we're just we're just dealing with a belief system. So the root. The root of it is the culture we've allowed ourselves to、um, grow up in, and so in order to get out of that, we're going to have to engineer our own culture 
so that anyone, any, you know, allegedly uh, reputable source of science that's, that's not actually practicing science needs to get black by, blackballed by all of us so that we just ignore them and they, they cease to exist. I think the, the, the best, um, the best way to take our own power back is to just ignore the people who are, are trying to control us because ultimately what they're trying to control is the thoughts in our mind. And isn't it interesting that we're the ones that have the most control on that battlefield if we just take it, you know what I mean? Right. And I think, of, uh, and I don't know if you have an answer or any idea about on this, but you know, the, the reason why people don't seem to see it, they, how, hmm, you know, how, why, why do some people see it and some don't, you know, some people knows to look at the same news article and stuff. And one would think, oh, that, that's weird. Something is off. I, I'll need to go check, check it out. Look, look for more stuff to see if this is true, if this makes sense. And why does some people just think, just accept it as fact? Well, that gets into some pretty deep philosophy. I think ultimately it comes down to the maturity of the soul. And I don't know the precise mechanism that uh, a soul matures, because I think from our vantage point, we'll never see the whole story here, but we can guess that... um, the earth experience we're living is some kind of forge of souls. And, and that as we progress and, and learn and uh, increase our maturity, that it's probably, uh, we're probably in a situation where not everyone's going to make it. I don't know, uh, you know, whatever religious, every religion sort of has a different uh, metaphor for explaining that, that very thing. And I, I don't, profess to be an expert on what actually happens, except that um, most religions do have a a metaphor that describe a a trial here where we, through, you know, through the fires of personal experience, we we grow to the point where we overcome the hardship and toil here. And so if you have all of this deception going on, it seems like the sort of the goal of our existence here is to get to the point where we're mature and wise enough to see past the deception and start making our own choices like a, a truly sentient being and, and make our own uh, decisions instead of uh, following our instinct, which is to just believe what the herd believes. And that's a very strong instinct, instinct in all humans. It helps us get along as a, as a social creature, but also we have to bear in mind that that um, genetic programming to go along with the herd can be used as a mind control feature. So uh, why some people can realize that and why some people cannot, it seems to me whenever I see a really uh, awake and aware person, it seems like in their life they've been through some very hard experiences. They frequently, they've had experiences where they nearly died. and people who, not always, but but some people who've had a very gentle, nice life with very little hardship don't seem to have that perspective. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Okay. But definitely. That's interesting. So, yeah, wait, so with that, with that idea, I was thinking that maybe they didn't have a chance to, like I often tell people, uh, my my uh, Python classmates that that you know when I first started, it was like I was thinking, okay, I programmed before, so you know I'll take it easy. And then after a while, I figure out that it it's still new. I can't just just coast along, and that's. You know, even though before that I already have this, I I have this, I don't know if I would call it practice, but I learned how to see myself. So, so with the Python example, it would be like, 
there's a crazy self that's so arrogant that thinks that, oh, I don't need to put too much into it. And there's the, this other one who is who is more wise, wiser. <laughs> it's like, oh, you better get your act together. So yeah, if, we all um, have that arrogant self that that believes that we're the one who knows and that we know the world's full of problems, but it's all because of the dumb people and and all the other people are dumb, never us. And I think the the first mark of wisdom is when you start to um, become aware and realize your own stupidity, you know. Right, and I, I'm kind of guessing that if you didn't go through something significant, it's harder to get yourself to that place where you're able to examine yourself. Um, and that I'm guessing that is one of the traits of people who can, uh, I guess, uh, would you call that critical thinking or? That's yeah, for that sure. <laughs> it, it's like you can, you can take the idea of communism and, and push it on people who have never experienced it. All they experience is just, um, a nice happy society where some people are richer than others and they say that's not fair and so the idea of communism it, it tells them the lie that everyone's going to share equally but since they've never experienced it for themselves to realize that communism means everything's owned by somebody and and that somebody is not you and that certainly is not equal you know so uh we yeah, are so people who has power had had in that situation had the money Yes, exactly. So I don't know how how it's like people forget have short term memory. I mean, it's not that long ago that that communist party, uh, communist uh, countries are were really poor. Yeah, exactly. And we still have North Korea, so I don't know <laughs> why people don't see it. Yeah, but. With North Korea, I mean, you, you hear some people these days saying, oh, yeah, you know, North Korea is even better than America. Well, these people have never lived in North Korea. They've they've never tried to escape across the border and get sold into slavery and into China. I mean, they're 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 talking for for lack of experience, essentially. I have not heard that. That is horrifying. But, you know, and, and then I think that people. How do I say that? Because you don't really know, they don't know that they're being uh, trained or programmed or, you know, into thinking that this this situation we're in is the actual free America. They, they don't know that we're not anymore. They can't tell. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think maybe fortunately or unfortunately, you can't learn that except the hard way. And it's it you see it in medical stuff where you know you go along with the accepted view until you nearly die, and you have and you realize that the established medicine isn't solving the problem, and then you have to take take over and and study yourself and solve the problem. And then until that happens, you you just go along with the the social meme that established medicine is your friend. And the same thing applies to government, to, you know, voting machines, to uh, happy computer operating systems that are supposed to take care of you. You know, all, all aspects of our life are filled with things that we're, we're told are happy and wonderful, but only through uh, experiencing the hard way do we fully realize the truth. So some things you just can't be told. And, and how do you think that the um how do you think all these related to you know of course they these are related to culture so how do you think all these related to culture of religion well religion um and culture go hand in hand they're they're heavily there's a, there's a huge amount of overlap a lot of cultures you know, a lot of religions are made up a lot. You know, it's not just, uh, let's say you, you take the Judeo-Christian religion, you have the books that they follow, but, you know, much of their life is practices and traditions that are not really listed in their in their religious writings. And by the same token, you have uh, even cultures who aren't really religious, 
because of the traditions. I mean, look at Christmas. There's a lot of people who wouldn't really call themselves religious at all, and yet they celebrate Christmas. So um, they're, they're always going to overlap. And so I, I think you can't um, address the problem of our culture without including religion just because there's so much overlap. And so since religion is so much of a part of it, the next thing that we need to uh, talk about is how can people of different religions get along without killing each other as they have done historically? And I think the concept in America of freedom of religion has gone a long way to helping people realize that, hey, you know, I don't have to kill someone just because they're in a different religion. So freedom of religion doesn't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't give you license to commit crimes. It's, it just means that, you know, if someone uses different metaphor, a different metaphor to describe the ineffable, you know, None, none, there's not a single one of us that can describe all the secrets of the universe. And so when humans want to talk about something that can't really be described perfectly, all we can do is use the best words we have. And every religion and every person is going to use different words to describe that. And that's not a reason to be at odds with each other. Now, if if someone wants to do harm and their religious beliefs tell them that they have the right to do harm to you, that's, of course, not going to work. That's not, that's not someone you could allow into your community. But if we can, you know, uh, take on the, the concept of freedom of religion and help ourselves form a community uh, with, with actually, you know, with culture, there's no single person in charge, nor should there be, because if there is one point of control, someone's going to take over that point of control. And as we develop our culture, each of us has the choice of how closely we want to be related to someone in our community. And if they match our morals and beliefs, they can be sort of a closer member. And if they're, if they're don't quite match our morals and beliefs, then no one can tell us that we have to associate with them. It, ultimately it's up to us who we invite to our home and it's up to us, you know, what invitation we accept. And so each of us has to start forming relations and bonds with our neighbors and our community members and form for ourselves the the um, type of government that we want to live by because government is um, downstream of culture uh, the only government that can exist is 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 one that the culture allows so if you took over a country militarily and you didn't uh, destroy the culture then the culture itself could come back and uh, get you from behind. So let me um, bring this to like a more everyday live um, level. And so when I um, came to the state, of course, there's more Christians here. And, and it was kind of scary to me I remember I was um, taking a small business class from a community college, and and the the accounting accounting uh, teacher, and I think I was just really I was surprised with something that you know during a conversation with a classmate, and so I said, "Oh my God." And then she said, you know, how can you take God's name in vain? And then you <laughs> meet, and then you meet a lot of people, uh, Christian and not, you know, not, it's so weird because some of my friends are Christian, but they don't ever do this to me. So that's weird to me to when, when a stranger <laughs> told me to, to, to not do that. And, you know, if I had heard from my friends that that's not, you should try and avoid it, which it's weird because I'm not Christian. Why, why am I following your rule kind of thing? But I was still, I would still respect them. If that makes them uncomfortable, I'll try and avoid it. Yeah. It's a cultural difference. I mean, any culture you go to in the world, there's going to be some things in their culture that are offensive to them because it has certain meanings to them that it does not have to you. So when you said that it wasn't, it didn't have that meaning to you, so you didn't consider that the the yeah, actual name. It was actually I don't ever use it as a bad thing. I only I only used it because it was was 
you know, surprising and awesome and stuff. I don't usually use that phrase in a bad way. You know, I had a friend from Indonesia who who was telling me that in Indonesia, it's it's rude to show the palm of your hand to somebody. So if if you're telling somebody you want two or three or four bananas at a produce stand, if you if you if you mention if you show five with your hand, you have to turn your palm away from them. For some reason, I don't know why, but every every culture is going to have a, a cultural meanings that are very real and meaningful to the person who grew up in the culture. And and the, someone who is not familiar with that is going to have no meaning at all. And so part of uh, getting along with each other is is both sides have to realize that what means one thing to them might not mean the same thing to another. And there's there's no reason to get angry about it. Right. And so this is like a basic thing that I noticed that might have gone away because I remember how um, other country look up to the to America because, or United States because they, you know, even in, in the Congress and Senate, they, even with difference of opinions, they, they're civilized and after work, they're friends and, you know, and they respect each other. Um, but that seemed to disappear also. I mean, even down to the, you know, us down to people, everyday people. There's no like, oh, um, I don't agree, but I understand. It, there's you don't have just because they don't think the way you do, it doesn't mean you have the right to attack them or <laughs> be mean to. Yeah, them. exactly. You said a, you mentioned a word there, civilized, and I think as we are forming our own communities, the the one um aspect that we can look for in our community community members is civilized moral conduct and it, it doesn't it, it it i think that's more important than what religion someone belongs to or what metaphors they use to describe the universe is civilized moral conduct is um it, what that means is um you can trust that someone's not going to stab you in the back when you turn around they're not going to throw bricks through your window they're not going to try and indoctrinate your kids and if we allow ourselves to become community members or allow ourselves to participate in a culture that that isn't founded on civilized moral conduct, then we're doomed to uh, end up as a destroyed nation. And so I also noticed that, um, at least in, in Asia um, or my, my old country, the, I noticed there's a shift. Um, so when they were, you know, getting more wealthy, they there and there, it still exists in some countries. I think in in Asia, I don't know how that is in America. Maybe not as uh, obvious. The, it's there's an attitude of I have more money, so I get to do whatever I want to you. And there's yeah. no no respect, no you know it. That's it, weird because, and then of course their children are became that has no respect for other people, which in turn become not so civilized. Yeah, so I think that's what happens is we is is not the money is not the primary cause. It, it's it's part of a culture. It's like a big city culture where where there is a lot of wealth and there is a lot of degradation of morals. But you know, I live sort of in the flyover area where the the, peop, the people call it the flyover parts of the United States because no one ever goes there. You just fly over it when you're going from <laughs> coast to coast. But you know, I know of religious groups like Mennonites around here who are farmers and they're very wealthy. They, you know, they fly around in their own airplanes. They own tens of thousands of wow. acres, but they've held on to their culture. And and I, as far as I know, I mean, I don't know them that well, but because they've maintained their culture, they haven't fallen victim to that um, culture of big city money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, do they also, I mean, they have their own own 
belief, right? It is not just just a culture. Yeah, well, it's a cult. It's a belief and a culture. It's like the Amish, you know. If you know the the religion and the culture go hand in hand, so um, the key is you have to have a family structure that passes on your culture to the kids. And if you don't have that, if if you don't have a system set up to pass your culture onto the kids, there there's a lot of other people who want to program a culture into them, and we have to realize that. And and it's not enough to just shut off the the evil culture. We have to come up with our own replacement. Well, actually, we need to get it back because I, you know, the, you know, first thing I want to say is notice that how, how the, um, I don't know if I will say that word right, Mennonite, I know. Mennonites, yeah. Yeah, and they, they, obviously, from your, from the example you mentioned, one can be rich without losing their ways or losing their, you know, how they treat people. Like, yeah, their morals and their civilized uh, moral conduct. Because if you think about it, I mean, there's people uh, living in the deserts of Africa who think that anyone with a car and a house is fantastically rich. So rich is just relevant. I mean, it's relative to whatever by by most standards uh, you know the most americans are in the top five percent of wealthy people in the world so you know wealth wealth and rich richness is just is just relative to something else right and so having a belief that that you you know remind you i guess almost to that you're also just a person is important. Um, yes, yes. Um, because if 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 uh, chasing money is your primary goal, then you're going to do it any which way you can. It, 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 and, that, and that could be like you know moving drugs, human trafficking, taking over businesses, um, maybe uh, selling votes. Any, any kind of immoral activity that you could imagine could lead to wealth. But there are people who who uh, get their wealth legitimately and in a moral way. And, and so even, hmm, I, I guess I am defining religion more loosely <laughs> because I'm sure there are people out there who are atheists and they, but they somehow have a, have something in them that they they respect other people and you know even though they don't think there is god they don't make you do that and even you know and if with these people even though there's no religion when they get rich they don't do horrible things to other people they still care so if I had a neighbor who was an atheist, I would be way more concerned if they're civilized and moral than what they believe. Because if, you, if you're if you an atheist and you believe no God exists, that's just a belief. And so in my mind, that fits in with all other freedoms of religion. So that's just one more religion. You believe something for whatever reason. And I want the freedom to believe my beliefs. So I have to afford others uh, the freedom to believe what they want to believe. And if I want to interact with them and buy and sell and trade with them, it's going to depend on their civilized moral conduct. And if, right. if they're, if they decide that they want to teach my kids that, uh, you know, push their beliefs on my kids, well, that's suddenly going to rub me the wrong way. I'm going to say, well, they're not going to be a community member with me anymore. You know what I mean? Right. And, and as a parent, of course, our parents, pass down things, pass things down to us. Um, how are, so with, with my parents, they, they, although we're, um, more Buddhism centric, but they don't ever tell me that I have to go with them somewhere. They let me find what makes sense to me. And, and I did, you know, I did some Bible study with people 
and they're just not my thing. <laughs> it just just doesn't make that much. You know, a lot of their teaching, at least the few times that I went to the Bible study, a lot of them are really almost the basic, basic. Um, how do I say that? Uh, behavior or you know in yeah and teach their their own there's no reason that you that you should give up your religious beliefs for someone else but um you you brought up a point of you know parents and culture and so what we have now is a, a a culture where we have two parents working and the kids are raised by who they're raised by daycare and they're raised by schools and so that's where their culture is going to come from and if we want to pass culture on to our children we have to we have to get past these cultural uh, structures that we currently live with that's, that say that it's okay to have a child and have two parents working and let someone else raise the kid because if that's not going to perpetuate your culture at all. And so one of the, uh, you know, the whole concept of two parents working um, and having a kid is normal now but back in the 50s and before that that was only you know only a really you know poverty stricken family would let both parents go to work and you know the the concept being that uh, raising the kids at home is the is quite arguably the more the more important of the two jobs so if you have one parent at home teaching the children and one one parent off uh, gaining money i think the the um, lie that's been told to us is that is that the guy out getting money is free and uh, he's he's out there having an adventure when really he's probably doing exactly what he's ordered to do every day. I mean, he's not he's he's probably not in charge of anything. So and 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 so now what we have today is, you know, uh, women were sold the lie that that letting someone else raise their kid would free them. And I, I guess to, if some some parents might consider that freeing, I don't know. But it seems to me that if you're going to have kids, someone's got to raise and teach the children and who better than the parents, because whoever educates our children owns the future. And that being the case, it's got to be us. It's got to be the parents who educate our children one way or another. Right. And when when parents are so busy working, they probably don't have time to examine themselves to be a good example for their children. Yeah. And that's that's all part of a culture that needs to change whatever it takes to uh, live a life where uh, we can raise children and teach them and, and have, you know, at least in their, their first five to 10 years of life, have one parent full time teaching children, you know. Yeah, and and that in by saying that you don't mean you you're not saying you have to which parents need to be home just one of the parents right yeah and and um in the old days they would say okay the man's supposed to do that and the woman's supposed to do that I I wouldn't tell anyone that what they have to do or what they're supposed to do but obviously we're cut out for we are different males and females are different and if you know, a, a man can can take care of a newborn infant, but we all know a woman can do it better. I mean, that's just how it that's is. That's true. I mean, at least when <laughs> when they're young, like super young, when they were just born, it, just, it would be hard for dad to <laughs> to nurse the, the baby. Um, yeah, and so and so the you know uh, males have you know they have more of their physical. Uh, makeup is devoted to strength. And so there's some things they're going to be able to do better. And, and so in, in our culture, um, I'm not suggesting we go back to the point where, yeah, the man makes all the rules and the woman's like a slave. I don't think that's the right direction at all. But what we do need to recognize is that, okay, we're in this together. Uh, we're going to have a partnership and we each have to pick the job. So let's say, who's going to, who's going to nurse the baby? you know, and, and who's going to, who's going to go dig ditches, you know? So um, I don't think any, any person should be forced to, to do anything, but common sense tells us that each of us are going to do certain jobs better. Right. And I had um, a, a kind of example for that. My, I had a friend who, who 
you know, when she got pregnant, she's like, oh, I think I'll stay home and take care of the kid. And then after, after the baby was born, she, after a while, she noticed how unwell she is. Like she can't handle being home all day. And, and I think that she needs to, you know, she, she wants to be out. So she worked it out with her husband. So she went back to work and, and they had to make sure that at least one, one of them is with the child. Very, you know, unless they're going on a date or something, they don't get other people to come and take care of, of the baby or, if they do for uh you know like they have to they want to go away for a while you know for a day or two they would get someone they know to take care of the baby yeah that that sounds good to me and part of the problem is that our culture doesn't really have any room for a, a mother we have this idea that okay the mother's at home the baby's at home but in reality why do they have to be at home if we had a culture where um you know, mothers of, of young children had a place to go and something to do. There's probably some some useful things they could engage in other than just sitting at home. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't I? Uh, well, I don't have children, so I don't know what it's like. Uh, I know um, there's a lot of, you know, baby and me classes out there in Asia. Uh you know, even dads, some dads would bring their baby, not just for mom, because they're stay-at-home dads. Um, and and it's helpful for everybody because they can, you know, maybe the guys, if they're, they're newly home and taking care of the kids, they would need advice from the, you know, from other dads or other moms. Yeah, know? one idea I've thought of uh working at working on at some point if I ever get the resources to do it is a community garden where community members can all come do it at, you know contribute work and that's something you could bring you know a, a baby and children of, of any age to and if you if you do nothing but sit there and watch a couple of kids while a couple of the mothers go dig turnips you know um, I think uh, mothers could collaborate and or single parents even <clears throat> to the point where, you could have a you could have activities where you go and uh, help each other, you know, watch the kids and and do some uh, productive work that's not as boring as sitting sitting home watching soap operas, you know. <laughs> I don't oh, well, it soap opera is almost all gone, so I don't know. Oh, that's kind of scary. That means if you you're home all the time and watch tv that's a scary thought because there's only <laughs> the same kind of stuff on tv <laughs> yeah it's a scary thought it is <laughs> yeah and so hmm, I, I wonder how hmm, you know i i call myself more of a spiritualist because uh, i really something was um I think in in Christian and in Catholic uh, I, religion, it, there's not as much ritual as as Buddhism, Buddhist, because you know, and and ritual actually, for some reason, maybe it's just just the way I am that I just can't. I you know the idea of Buddhism, the ideas in Buddhism make so much sense to me that I am using it as part of my life, as in, you know, it's a way I live, and so when I am made to follow rituals, that became meaningless, and I I was wondering if ritual. How do I say that? Not having ritual is, is I don't know. Like, mm. Well, rituals can add structure. Uh, so, the, but, but uh, a ritual is overdone can be 
you know, done become mindless rituals for sure. I, I think plenty, you know, lots of religions have yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's what I'm seeing uh, when I see people do that. It, it, there's no like, why am I doing There's no, I know why I'm do, doing this. And yeah, I noticed. So, so a, a ritual's got to have meaning. And I think uh, if, if it, the ritual's lost the meaning for you, then continuing to do the ritual probably won't do you much good. But maybe I'm wrong. Right. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying that people who are doing it uh, shouldn't be doing it. I'm just saying that it doesn't work for me, but, you know, and I'm noticing um, it's almost, sometimes I see that people think if I just do this, I am a good follower of the religion. Yeah, and that's one of my biggest complaints with religion is like it, there's there's been plenty of times I'm in church and I'm pretty sure most of the people are only doing what they they're doing what they're doing so everyone else around them thinks that they're doing the right thing. You know what I mean? And um, the, instead of doing the right thing because it's the right thing, I you know th there's times I've been in in churches that I I, I figured most of the people here are putting on a show for somebody, you know? And, and that's scary because that brings back to the mindfulness, the, the self-examination part that's missing from a lot of um, religious environment. It's like, there's no, I don't know. It, that bothers me because um, if you and and if I just think of it, uh, I maybe even stereotype. I would think someone who is religious naturally tend to examine themselves, and yeah, and that's important and. And people in religions need to realize that they're the ones in charge. There's a lot of different religions where you have a religious figure who is, you know, the, the leader of your church or, or whatever you call it. And there's a, a leadership structure, but still it's you who chooses to follow that. And, and, and you're only, that's what that person's only going to be the leader until you choose not to. So, you know, we have to realize that it's the people who are, who are really in charge and, there's only going to be a, a hierarchical hierarchical structure if you choose for there to be. And if that's your choice, then that's you making that choice. So that just shows that you're still in charge and having uh, a leadership structure, it does open you up to uh, infiltration because if uh, one person can control huge congregations, then that, that person is going to be the target for control. And if there's problems with the culture of your, church or your religious group or whatever you practice and you discern that there's problems, then uh, we can, all we can do is uh, affect and change ourselves, And, uh, and hopefully, you know, in talking about those things, other people will follow. So it, it, I think where we've reached a point in, in human evolution where in order to be truly self-governed, people have to realize that they are in charge of a lot of a lot of their own affairs even you know religious technology uh, politics health all the all the issues that we're talking about in, in our culture and if you know you mentioned if you're if you're in a church and they're going through mindless rituals and you don't feel like you're learning anything then you don't have to change the church just change yourself and Maybe you'll be an inspiration to the ones around you, or maybe you'll realize you don't belong there anymore. But either way, uh, it comes down to our own decision and awareness of what's going on. And then we have to decide to take whatever steps necessary to change our culture. And, and it's probably not going to be a quick journey. We've spent, you know, we've spent decades and centuries getting to the point where we are, and it's not going to be corrected overnight for sure. Right. And, and the, the thing you mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, the leadership, the, you know, the top person in whatever you believe in is being treated as 
God almost. And that is very strange to me. And it, it's funny because in Buddhism, you, you, you're allowed to question anything and anyone. But still, some people, tr- you know, believe some people would treat the, the, lead, the top person as God. And, and it, it's weird because you, you don't, you know, that is a person too. Exactly. Why, yeah. why do you do that to, you know, and of course you, you may respect this person more because this person put in so much more work to be there. And then that also contribute to another problem when you treat them like God, because they, if they're not grounded enough uh, or spiritually uh, enlightened enough, they tend to get lost and, and start believing that they're they're really God. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, it and, takes a lot for that person not to be, though. I mean, that's also a good challenge for that leader. Yeah, power comes, you know, they say power corrupts, but power comes in many forms. And if you if if a lot of people believe that you whatever you say is the word of God, that gives you a lot of power. And um, I, you know, I think there's some there's definitely some very you know very godly people out there with some very good guidance and very good things to say. But for for every one of them, there's ten that uh, that preach as if they're God, but really you find out that they're actually you know uh, making lots of money and. Uh, spending the money on something a godly person wouldn't spend their money on, you know. I know you, you, it, I, you know, when you see someone in the high position, even you know, in government or something, and unless you know they're they have their own business, it's you, you often wonder, it's like, where did you get the money for this thing? and why don't you question them why do you why do you instead think oh i want to be like that yes yes. it's weird this whole thing and a problem and i don't think the problem is with uh what's the word oh capitalism and is how and again this comes back to being programmed and being mindless how do you how do you become i i know in the old days americans are so good at fixing things themselves and making stuff it how did that disappear it's it's it was lost through convenience we uh we were sold cheap solutions and we we took the easy path. And so we became a victim of economic warfare. And it's a, it's actually a way where slaves can be used as a weapon of war. So let's say you have a closed economy. We, we I know on our last interview, we talked about countries that are run on the company store model where everything is so tightly controlled mm-hmm. that it's essentially just slavery. And so the, then you can have one country with a, a, na- a nation of slaves. Now they can produce cheap goods and use that to to sell to another nation so that they willingly give up all their ability to produce those things that they're now buying from the other side of the world. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) So that kind, that actually brings up something. So I just realized that people are mistaken, mistaken, Hmm, English problem here. Um, They're, they're equating capitalism to materialism. This, right, and, and it's definitely not the same. Yeah. Right. So, so at the same time of being sold cheap stuff, how like it also? I think at the same time you, I guess it comes to the point where you just want to have more. But then you also have, I want to have the newest and the best all the time, which creates uh, more demand on your 
money, like on your financial reservoir, yeah, I guess. And there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of desire to have you know lots of cool stuff and have it cheap, but there's there's a lot of ignorance, sometimes willful ignorance, that what we are we are buying slave goods. So there's a slave, uh, a giant slave empire, and they're they're putting their slaves to work and selling us the result. And so anyone who does not agree with slavery shouldn't be buying these things. And I, I say that with with um, I'm not innocent of that because now at this point, like for example, I get into radio communications, and so uh, to help replace cell phones. And we're at a point now where if you buy radios to communicate with your local community, you can't get an American-made one because we don't have them here anymore. And so there's not really much choice of where to get it. So I don't, when we're, when we de decide to stop buying slaved goods, I, I think it's not going to happen instantly. We can't just suddenly quit because um, so many things are no longer produced outside of these slave economies. But if we all support and demand um, legitimately manufactured goods by free humans and pay whatever it costs to get those goods, then the demand will start to rise for those things and shift um, away from the slave economies. Well, and and I don't know if people, younger people realize that, but uh, you know, American or US made stuff was so valued because it's so durable it may be a bit ugly <laughs> i think that's what the what my memory of of american may stuff were um they they're sturdy i mean they last forever uh, but they're not pretty <laughs> <laughs> or they were not pretty so the thing is that's what people seem to forget that that you know the the most efficient way and this is the the green part of the green possible is the most the efficient way of using your resources so i i had been i have focused my effort on buying american made things um and this is confusing to me cuz american i guess people usually mean that as United States people, I mean, because there's North American, the Canadians are American, right? Like, I, I Yeah, mean, we have North America and South America, but usually in the States, when we talk about American made, we're talking about United States produced. However, if I was going to buy something from Canada or Mexico, as long as it's not made by slaves, I think that's perfectly fine, you know? Oh, that's true too. But the, the thing is, it's so... And as someone who's focusing on, you know, if I want something, I first look for things that's made in the States. It, I'm noticing more stuff made in the States. Yeah, um, it, seems to, it seems to be on the increase. And I think that's a good thing for sure. Right. And then you and I also notice how durable they are still. I mean, they're still like, for example, um, I get some of my clothes from uh american giant i don't know if you heard of it they they everything they have is made in the states including the at least cotton for sure oh and yeah that's interesting what's the name of that outlet american giant and yeah, they're I'll not look into that yeah they're, they're not cheap but they they less um i've been I had some long sleeve shirts from them, t-shirts, and because they have, they have, I don't know how you call it, you, you know how it, you get the normal cotton fabric and then near the end of your, the sleeve, there's a part that's elastic. Yeah, the cuff. The cuffs. And they, they, because the weight is so different after washing, like I wear it. I wash it at least once a week. So after two, three years, the it, you know, there's holes. But that's two, three years of constant washing. <laughs> so and then and then the most of the part is still good. So I just cut off the cuffs, and and hem the end, and it will last me another three, four years. 
Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, usually if you bought the other T-shirts, you you that's it. You you actually get holes in the places that's not, you know, where the pieces joins. Yeah, the seams mm-hmm. and, the seams come apart. Right, and so if you were to buy something durable, then you know I even I actually ended up patching them. It looks ugly, but that's okay because I'm not wearing outside of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's how you know that's how you uh, utilize keep, your resources. Yeah, right. You you know and. But you gotta first start with quality goods. Yeah, and quality I, goods, but but also moral goods that are produced morally and aren't the the results of slave labor. I I would well, I'm gonna. This is generalizing, I'm sure, because if you were to make, you know, quality stuff those people usually would value their worker. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, and the same thing is all, to me, it all came back to the respect, respect of other people. Uh, Even though you're head of the company, you are not God. (laughs) Even though you're the head of this religion, you're not God. Yeah. So as we look for civilized moral conduct in our community, that applies to everyone. It applies to who we do business with, who we buy from, who we sell to, because even selling to somebody that you consider immoral, they could eventually become your enemy. And and whatever interaction they that you have with them could could empower them and build them up to the point where they can destroy you. And that's where I think we are with some of the, the countries that hate America right now is they made their wealth and power from us. Mm, true. True. Yeah. And, and you know, we, so with everything we talked about today, uh, a lot of it seemed to be related to being civilized and respecting other people and um, being able to examine oneself in in inner self to you know and is there any anything else i'm missing that you want to add well i I think that's key is that the the key to uh you know uh improving yourself is you have to know what's going on with yourself so it's going to take some introspection and self-awareness and you know there's a in the christian bible there's a a saying that you know, you shouldn't look for the splinter in someone else's eye and ignore the log in your own eye. The, the idea being that humans have a tendency to be completely blind to huge problems that we have ourselves, but we're very, uh, we're very perceptive of other people's problems, real or imagined. And so we spend our time looking at other people's problems and ignoring the huge problems that we ourselves have. And so it takes conscious effort and introspection and self-awareness to study our own psyche and learn uh, our own problems. Yeah. And that, so I'm a person who tend to want to find a solution and, but people who listen to this are already there, I assume. Well, we're all on a journey. I mean, uh, I, I don't think we'll, <laughs> I don't think there's a How destination. The we where we, we're, we're going. To, well, I don't know how, is it more like a, if, if, if this message gets played to certain people often enough, they'll finally click. Well, it's probably one little stepping stone on a path, I would hope. And, you know, you can't force someone who doesn't want to, if, if someone's making the right choices and they choose to improve themselves, I think they're going to find a way, whether it's through any message you and I have or, or any other way. Um, so I think what we can look at this as a stepping stone that's available for those who choose it, I guess, is the way we could look at it. Okay. So the only thing I can think of right now that 
that we can do is be an example. I, I guess yeah, that's an the example. best thing we can do. Exactly. Ex uh, you know, um, if we can be a good example and then and we can share our success as much as possible. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, it's been an hour. It uh, went by quickly. Um, so let's talk more next time. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, I'll look forward to doing this again for sure. Thank you. This has been Green Fossible. Thank you for listening. Your host, I, signing off.